is a disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm here with Lee. Hi. And our special guest, Norm. Norm. Goodbye. I, oh, oh okay. he just left. Shoot. It's just you and me, Lee. I don't have any notes. I just have nothing to say to nothing. I guess the weather's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> also, I dropped Thanks a nuclear. Are you okay with that? A nuclear? Oh, you just want to be Norm oh, or just... Nu- okay. Wait, oh, 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 sorry. So you dropped that. I dropped a nuclear. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks for joining us. You're here for, well, you know what this episode's about if you read the title, but I'm just going to do a bit of housekeeping up front and then we'll dive right in. So if you're new here, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you want to support us, the best thing you can do is to tell a friend about this podcast. You can also sus- subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. And you can follow us on social medias at This Disaster Pod. Most of this episode is going to be Norm. All right. Because he knows what he's talking about when he it comes to sure does. physics and really most things. But I'm going to start, I'm going to start with a little bit of background up front. Okay. So on August 6th, 1945, the Mm. United States dropped the first atomic bomb ever used in warfare on the Japanese city of Hiroshima. You're darn tootin'. It was nicknamed Little Boy. Mm -hmm. Clever. Clever. And it was carried by the Enola Gay, which if you remember, we mentioned in the Bomber Blitz episode number two. And it was Uh, named, uh, in the meantime, I managed to look it up. It was named after the pilot's mother, whose name was Enola Gay Tibbets. Oh. Yeah. After mom. Yeah. (laughs) That's a nice thing to be associated with. Right? (laughs) She reads the newspaper. You did what with my name? (laughs) So the bomb leveled two kilometers or one mile around its impact point, which was the Shima Surgical Center. And it's actually, they aimed at a bridge, but they missed a little bit. By like 500 meters. horseshoes. They got it. Yeah. Yeah. And the damage spread to... 12 square kilometers or five square miles, God. which is ridiculous. Yeah. 30% of the population was killed by the blast, which is about 80,000 people. And there was an, an additional 70,000 people injured. The one thing that was super interesting that I thought, uh, well, there's a lot of things. And if you want to learn about these bombs, there's a lot of books you can read and you can go down a huge black hole and it's super interesting and I recommend you do, mm. but I'm not going to do that. I'm mm. just going to tell you the highlights. The only people on board the Enola Gay that knew what, was, what they were doing uh-huh. was the pilot, the bombardier, and the flight commander. Okay. So it was a full complement of people on that bomber and only three people knew what wow. they were actually dropping, right? <laughs> they didn't know they were part of history. Yeah, and there's like, you can read quotes from the rest of the crew, but they were shocked to say the least. <laughs> you did what? Why are we Why are we just dropping one bomb? What did they think they were doing? <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, they knew that they were bombing, <laughs> okay. right? We're but they doing a bombing raid. Yeah. I don't know why they only loaded one bomb, that, I guess. Yeah, it's neat to know. Yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine like not knowing what you're dropping and then seeing like a kilometer high <laughs> stack of, <laughs> you know, smoke? What the fuck uh, was that? And the other thing is, incident, the bomb was armed in flight to minimize the risk during takeoff. What? They launched with a bomb that was unarmed and they had to like finish assembling it in flight. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't <clears throat> drop that. So two aspects that are often overshadowed by the size of the explosion, which was 16 kilotons. If you remember Sheesh. the Halifax explosion, that was three kilotons and it leveled oh, Halifax. Right. 16 kilotons. Yeah. So the first thing that most people that you kind of forget about is the damage of the flash itself. So the first thing that happens when the nuclear explosion goes off is that you get like this bright, yeah. like the flash on a camera times a billion. Yeah. Any skin that was exposed to it immediately burned. Three days in the sun, sunburn. Kind of right, 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 right. And amazingly, which I, I, this blows my mind, anything that was covered by clothing was fine. So it's literally yeah. like line of sight to the flash. Okay. So Anyone not wearing this sunburn can have a bad day, get it? Right. Right. What was that from? 
T2. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm I so, so disappointed in you, Peter. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I shouldn't have asked. I knew it. You knew it. By the way, I've heard from experts that say, or I've, I've heard people quoted that the opening scene of Terminator 2 is like one of the most accurate depictions of a nuclear blast. Maybe. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Heard a little <clears throat> dream it's, there? It's, yeah, it's because, because they show this kind of like bright, cold light yeah. flash. And then the second thing, which actually causes most of the damage, the explosion causes a lot of damage, sure. but the real brutality of it comes from the firestorm. Mm. So, for example, there's a photograph called the Hiroshima Strike, which shows an apparent mushroom cloud emanating from the explosion and reaching like thousands of meters into the sky. Okay. And for a long time, it was identified as being taken one minute after the detonation, and that was like the actual smokestack from the explosion. Right. But actually, it was taken like two or three hours after the explosion, and it was the smoke from the firestorm that was devouring Whoa. what was left of the city. So you have like the leveling. Yeah, Norm just pulled it up, and we'll post it on our social media. That's two or three hours later. Yeah, that's, that looks like your classic nuke going but off. But that—that's the smoke from the firestorm that was Jeez. burning Hiroshima to the ground. Wow. So it—it was—it was brutal, mm. and it uh, kind of changed the game a little bit. Yeah. Not immediately though, because on August 9th. 1945, mm. the U.S. did it again right. on Nagasaki. Nagasaki. Because following that first bomb, the Japanese, they just didn't, like the <laughs> command didn't believe that, they just didn't know what happened, right? <laughs> right. Which kind of makes sense because this kind of came out of nowhere. Right. What was that even? There, there can't possibly be another one. Yeah. And they yeah. wouldn't drop it if there Do was. It again. Right? Right. Following that first bombing, Japan reiterated their commitment, if you remember again from that episode, when I talked about the Doolittle raid, Japan had basically vowed to the last yes. man, vow, vowed to fight to the last man standing, <laughs> yes. which was thrilling news to the Japanese yeah. population. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> We're right behind you. Great. So after that first one, Japanese, Japan, the Japan leadership again was like, well, we're still going to keep yeah, going to the last man here. standing. And also the Japanese scientists didn't think, this kind of was crazy too. Japanese scientists didn't think it was possible that the U.S. could have more than two or three <laughs> more of these bombs. So their plan was to fight to basically wait out these two or three more bombs right. and then continue fighting the last man standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nagasaki was similarly devastated, lower casualties, but just as horrific. Yeah. And the long story short is that Japan communicated their surrender on August 15th. Okay. <laughs> and they signed the official documents on September 2nd. Because yeah. you get hit by two nuclear bombs and you're like, I don't, I don't think it's slowing down, guys. Yeah, kind of takes the yeah. spring out of your step. There. There's and, actually a lot of debate as to the justification of, of that. Yeah, um, because, of Nagasaki. Yeah, of using the bombs in, at all oh, because at they all. easily could have won. Right, but a land attack on the islands of Japan would have been a brutal yeah battle. They were already losing. They could have just not done it. Yeah. Uh, but there was also some foresight in that the they knew that the Soviets would be their next enemy, despite being their allies. Right, right. right. So a lot of this was actually intimidation yep. to yeah. show the Soviets, hey, look what we can do. Yeah. Little did they know the Soviets already stole that information from them. Yeah. Oh, really? They stole yeah. it? Okay, yeah. I knew that. Yeah. We're getting there. There's an, interesting, uh, there's an interesting period of time. So first of all, just to finish up on Japan, it's a good thing they did because there was already plans and construction had started on, I think, four or five more strikes on Japan with atomic bombs. Okay. So it's, it's, it's a good thing. Jeez. <laughs> What's <laughs> left? Right. Yeah. It's a good this thing place they, used uh, to be called Japan, I guess. It's a good thing they tapped out when they did. Yeah. To be fair, they purposely, the U.S. purposely didn't target the old capital or the new. So they, they purposely said, like, 
Kyoto and Tokyo and Tokyo are off bounds right. because they didn't want to like you nuke the capital of a country and you basically eradicate the country yeah, it's, right? and any heritage and history. Right. And, who in their right mind would threaten to bomb cultural sites? Like historical right? cultural sites. Yeah. I mean it's just you don't do it. You don't do it. It's asinine. Indeed. All of this marked the end of the Second World War, but it marked the beginning of the Atomic Age. And this was kind of fun to read about because I always thought it was kind of fictionalized. Basically, as I'm as I'm talking about this, you know the game, the Fallout games? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that fun. fictionalized version of the future is basically what humanity or at least the United in the United States had in mind in the Atomic Age. <laughs> So following World War II, the potential of the atom was widely believed to be basically ushering in a new era. Right. So just as Earth saw the Bronze Age, followed by the Iron Age, followed by the Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. the Atomic Age would basically be like the nuclear revolution. Right. Everything would be powered by nuclear energy in some way. It's nuke punk. Basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in the 1950s, it basically carried the sense that the power of the atom would supplant all other forms of energy. So right. nuclear weapons would make conventional weapons obsolete. Like <laughs> now we have nukes. Why would you ever need a normal bomb anymore? You don't need nuclear, a stove. You need, you know, I got a microwave. It gets to that level. <laughs> yeah. Like nuclear power would shut down. They, they thought nuclear power would basically shut down coal and oil generators. Right. Like, we don't need those, those anymore. Those nuclear cars and like kind of commercial, yeah, like yeah. your house powered by a totally. small <laughs> reactor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, 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 would, they thought that radiation would be used to power everything from cars to interstellar travel. Like, no shit. Ford <laughs> developed a concept car called the Nucleon in 1957. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And it, it was like a concept car. It didn't actually end up running, but they basically had this model car that would have a scaled down nuclear reactor in the back mm-hmm. and it would just run on that instead of <laughs> instead of gas. You can just picture the <laughs> get more radiation in your life every day. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Brush your teeth with it and wash your face. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But this is what I'm saying. Like the Fallout games got yeah. it so right in that if it had continued and we'll talk about, we'll probably end up talking about how got derailed spoiler it's kind of in the title of the episode but (laughs) so and even at this time the u.s government funneled 1.5 billion dollars into researching nuclear powered aircraft okay (laughs) and so did the soviets and actually the soviets claimed to have been flying a nuclear powered bomber for months in 1958 (laughs) which kind of threw the u.s into a panic because they thought the soviet the soviets were like years ahead in their development (laughs) turned out to be a sham to no one's (laughs) surprise that was basically just a modified mid mid mid-range bomber that was flying around uh, and stupid American, believe me. But I think the reason that I brought that up specifically is that it's telling of the Soviet mentality. It's a lot about more so in the sixties, but it continued through to the eighties, which, which will be sort of the topic of our next ep- yeah. part two of this episode. Yeah. But the, it, the mentality was very much appearance based. The leadership can never be wrong. And even if they're wrong, then no, you're wrong about how we're wrong. (laughs) And stuff like this is like, well, it doesn't matter. We'll just, we'll just tell them that it's nuclear powered. And if they find out, then it'll just be like, "Eh -eh." you know, we fooled you. It's (laughs) always that. Right. Exactly. They they always come out on top. You tell them how great you are and they are just so happy to hear it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Question. um, (laughs) Excuse me. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, The other interesting thing that I thought when I was researching this atomic age was that there's a lot of parallels between the attitudes towards nuclear power in the fifties and AI in recent times. Uh-huh. Because basically they people saw the potential of nuclear power and they were like, ah, nuclear reactors and cars and yeah, nuclear yeah, yeah. powered everything and it's going to solve all of our problems. Yeah. Just like now you get, oh, well, AI is great. Everything's going to be automated tomorrow. I'm never going to have to work again. I'm going to have universal <laughs> income. AI will can, AI can do everything. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, cool your jets. AI has been around <laughs> since the 60s. <laughs> Still working on it. Yeah. It is going to help us find more coal and oil. Perfect. Great. Yeah. So, Use more so, of that. Uh, uh, you know, that's forward thinking. Very, 
frustrating. <laughs> if you can't tell our thoughts on the current state of nuclear power, it'll become clear over the course of these two episodes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the mini episode in between. It was basically thought that nuclear power would be efficient and ubiquitous and houses wouldn't even need meters for electricity anymore because it'd be so cheap. <laughs> They'd basically be giving it away. <laughs> It'd be like a public utility that you, yeah, like right. you don't even, right. maybe your taxes would pay for the reactors. But that's <laughs> right. And there was also, uh, this was also the time of the quote unquote atomic city, which we now know as Las Vegas. Oh. So there was basically over a hundred nuclear bomb tests by the U.S. in Nevada in oh, the fifties. Okay. And hotels in, and casinos in Las Vegas would hold bomb parties <laughs> that would start at midnight and go until like 4 a.m. when they had the detonations. Okay. And everybody would basically like party, get like shit faced. <laughs> and then at 4 a.m. they would just stop, look out the window and watch the explosion. Oh. And then it'd continue partying. <laughs> not the people <laughs> launching them. They were not partying. No. No. They, <laughs> I, I was like, I watch this bomb. Goggles. Get your goggles. <laughs> So, side note, yeah. I went to Las Vegas last year. Did you see and, a bomb? Uh, no, but Damn it. The, the Atomic Testing Museum is in Las Vegas. Oh, sweet. Mm. And it covers all of this stuff, and yeah. it's freaking awesome. Oh, oh wow. sweet. If you like bombs. Um, and they also, like, the casinos had special cocktails and stuff. And I thought it was hilarious. After these parties, they gave out health advice, which was, take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> Just get that radiation off you. Huh. <laughs> Ominous. So, in the 1960s, the U.S. saw the introduction of Project Plowshare. Uh, Plowshare, <laughs> I know, right? There's <laughs> a group of swingers. <laughs> oh, boy. No, it was from the Bible, a passage that says, God will beat swords into plowshares so that no country could lift up weapons against each other. Hmm. Uh-huh. Basically, they're going to turn weapons into, into things that can work the land and things like that. <laughs> right. For example, some proposed projects, they thought about widening the Panama Canal with nuclear explosions. Okay. <laughs> Cutting through mountains for highway routes with nuclear explosions. <laughs> Blasting caverns for storage of water and oil with what? Nuclear explosions. <laughs> and expediting mining operations. How? With nuclear explosions. Uh-huh. This is ridiculous. <laughs> how, how do, what do you think they're going to do on Mars? Uh, nuke it. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? And actually, so, so Project Plowshare actually led to 27 detonations where they like blasted rocks and they explored the composition of the Earth's crust. They're just dicking around. Basically, like, fucking around with nuclear weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to show the public that, like, look, <laughs> they can be used for good. <laughs> you can open a can. <laughs> <laughs> with a nuke. With a nuke. And we actually, so, exploration of the Earth's crust made me think about episode eight, which was about Fury of St. Helens. Oh. We talked a little about the composition yeah. of the mantle and stuff. We do some callbacks just to... I didn't say that up front. No, you didn't say that. Yeah, you binge our show. Yeah. Then you'll know exactly what we're talking about all the time. Exactly. All these Why little not? references. So, <laughs> understandably, there was significant public opposition, and eventually the project was shut down. <laughs> and Why? to be fair, like, you can be for nuclear energy all you want, which I think the three of us are, but I think I'm with the public when it comes to using nuclear detonations for, like, everything. <laughs> yeah. Right? Can you imagine, like, if they're building, we recently got a light rail system in Ottawa. Can you imagine if they were doing that exploration with nukes? <laughs> like, maybe use a drill. So by the end of the 60s, the term atomic age kind of lost its bright-eyed connotation and started to be more of, like, a cautionary term. Yeah. So it will let, you, you go from, like, in the 50s, atomic age is like, everything's going to be atomic power. Right. By the end of the 60s, maybe not everything We're all going to melt power. and die. In, in the 60s, it was like, we'll be fl- powered by... Love? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of the 60s, they were powered by mass murder. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Bit of both. Altamont concert. Altamont concert. Woodstock. Nancy family. Episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> 
the big promise of the atomic age was cheap, efficient, abundant energy for everyone. Unfortunate policy directions stifled innovation in this field, <laughs> and also a certain high-profile disaster and another high-profile non-disaster didn't help. And we'll talk about both of those. Okay. In the opposite order that I just said. Okay. What we really want to get at, though, is why the real disaster in these episodes is the abandonment of nuclear power generation. And for that, I thought it'd be useful to turn to Norm, who actually knows anything about anything when it comes to nuclear power. He's nuclear Norm. He's nuclear. Well, yeah. Bring I, it back. I'm nuclear Norm. <laughs> nuclear Norm. <laughs> Take it away, Norm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, the general population, I feel, has a poor understanding of nuclear physics. Mm -hmm. You could probably agree with that. I am not a nuclear physicist. I definitely it's do. It's completely understandable, because uh, as Peter said, when people talk about nuclear, you think of atomic bombs, uh, Fukushima, Chernobyl. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Uh, and those are the only things you think of. Yep. You don't think of the 60 years of clean energy generation no. uh, and zero accidents ever anywhere else other than those. Yep. You only hear the bad stuff. Yeah, right. absolutely. So hopefully we can explain and help people understand what's going on with nuclear power yep. uh, and radiation such that uh, they can know what happens when we all die in World War III next week. Hmm. Yes, that is not at all terrifying. <laughs> Excuse me while I space out in existential dread while yes. you speak for the next 40 minutes. Well, if you know what's happening in, in the yeah. early 2020 yeah. with the political climate. If you're, if you're, oh, that won't have, oh, wait. Thousands of generations from now, if you're unearthing this podcast, please know that we were in the know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so as Peter mentioned, uh, there was a famous quote that nuclear power will provide, or nuclear will provide unlimited power yeah. to cheap Demeter. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, That yeah. was actually from the Atomic Energy Commission chairman oh, okay. uh, in 1954. Right, okay, cool. And, and uh, yeah, you really kind of hit it there. That's the unbelievable pie-in-the-sky yeah. <laughs> uh, perception that they had of, of nuclear at the time. Right, you yeah. gotta love the optimism. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, what is a nuclear reactor? Time for some science. Uh, so a nuclear <laughs> reactor, this is going to be somewhat uh, redundant, uses yeah. nuclear reactions to uh, uh, generate energy. That's a good starting point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it primarily uses fission, which okay. you may have heard of. Yeah. Uh, fission is when a heavy atom, yeah. such as uranium, mm -hmm. splits into smaller atoms. Okay. And in doing so, it releases energy in the form of heat. Yeah, okay. So that splitting, generating heat can be used to boil a big pot of water. Right. Water boils to steam. Right. Steam, steam can rush through a turbine. Yeah. And that can generate electricity. Sweet. So spinning a turbine to generate electricity is how all electricity is made except for solar. Okay. Right. right. So everything else <clears throat> somehow spins a turbine. Quick sidebar, solar, they just like take the heat and store it in a battery? No, it or directly moves electrons. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. So it's directly generating Different. heat. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. cool. That's cool. The current. Close sidebar. The primary fuel in a nuclear reactor for essentially all reactors that are in existence today, most of them, yep. is uranium-235. Okay. I'll explain what the 235 means a little okay. bit later. But essentially, it's a fissile, which means it can be split when you hit it with neutrons. Okay. So instead, instead of waiting for it to just split randomly, mm -hmm. you can trigger it, like you can induce it to split mm -hmm. by firing neutrons at uranium-235. Oh, nice. Mm. And when uranium splits, it generates more neutrons. And those neutrons can be used to oh. split other uraniums. And this is the chain reaction. You right. might have seen those old 50s videos where a guy throws a ping pong ball into a bunch of mouse traps with ping pong balls yeah. on them. Yeah. Basically that. Oh, that's cool. Okay. Okay. okay, cool. So if you control the rate of fission, yeah. Somehow, yeah, you can generate a steady amount of power for yeah. a very long time. In the last two minutes of you talking, I have learned 
so much. (laughs) (laughs) If you if you don't control the rate of fission, you can get a runaway extreme amount of power in a very short amount of time. Like in a bomb. It's a boom boom. Okay, Uh fair enough. So the potential for this energy is extremely high. Uh, A single fuel pellet of uranium, which is the size of your your fingertip, has as much energy as a ton of coal. So a ton is a thousand kilograms. Yeah, right. Jeez. Uh, Awesome. And this is something that wasn't an issue back in in the pre-war days in the 50s and so on. But CO2 emissions, there's no direct carbon emissions from nuclear, which is now a concern. Carbon emissions being a concern. But back then they didn't really care about it. They're like, oh, whatever, keep keep smoking. So you said no direct. Are there indirect? Like shipping uranium by yeah, cars? Yeah, so in the stuff? sense that yeah. you have to ship <laughs> oh, stuff in trucks and yeah. you have to build the plants which use trucks and yeah. diesel. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's interesting because the the total carbon footprint of nuclear, including everything, is actually equal to or less than renewables. So it takes okay. just as much you know, uh, carbon to yeah. make a solar panel yeah. that, as it does to, right. to do these. And, and, in terms of... Uh, total energy generated. Right. Mm. And that's, if you're talking about CO2, I guess that's almost like a capital expense up front to build it. And then as it runs, there's no it diminishes. greenhouse gases. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you could also, if we had electric cars that were powered, that Eventually, were charged yeah. by nuclear and you yeah. had electric crane, you know, there's, it's circular. circular. I get, my, my dream is to like drive an electric car that's charged by energy generated by a nuclear power plant. <laughs> well, if you drive an electric car in Canada, in Ontario, yeah. oh, it's yeah. charged by either hydro, which is even better, or right. nuclear. That's <laughs> getting a, an electric car. That's a dream <laughs> that could come true for you. In yeah. fact, like, this house is being powered by hydro goals. now. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Should set your sights a little higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this Two technology. electric cars. <laughs> the technology, as everyone is aware, generates nuclear waste right yeah Yeah. which is dangerous well that's most people's concern what are you going to do with all that waste correct correct uh we'll talk about that (laughs) Um, it also leads to nuclear proliferation which is the generation of weapons like what you're talking about before just to sort of uh talk uh pile on what you're saying like the peak popularity really hit in about the 1970s right and this was due to the uh, oil crisis. There was tons of instability in the Middle East, unlike today. Good thing that blew yeah, over. Yeah, good thing that blew over. <laughs> Fixed uh, it. Yeah, so there was the Arab-Israeli war. There was the Iran conflict in 1979, the revolution. Uh, they were not looking at United States very well back then. Hmm, for a change. At the time, because oil prices were really, really high, uh, yep. the West and most of the world was looking to get away from oil. Yep. Yeah. So they built a lot of reactors and mm-hmm. most of the reactors, about half of them were built between 1970 and 1985. Uh, some interesting stats and fun numbers based mm-hmm. off of current nuclear power or okay. power in general. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, In 2017, total world energy production. Mm-hmm. 38% of it comes from burning coal and okay. 23% of it comes from burning natural gas. So that's 61% comes from gold, coal and gas, which, as you know, emits carbon. Uh-huh. And carbon dioxide is leading to global warming, uh-huh. Uh-huh. whether you believe that or not. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> the science doesn't care if you believe it or yeah, not. Yeah, <laughs> whether you believe it or not, it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, so nuclear generates 10% of the world's power. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, who generates the most nuclear power in the world? You want to play a game? Yes. It's not, is it, it's not a very exciting answer. Is it Canada? No. Damn it. Is it Russia? No. 
It's America. Oh, oh, oh fuck. We don't, we don't have all night. It's America. <laughs> I had like 10 other guests. Yeah. America <laughs> generates the most total power from nuclear in the world. Okay, okay. cool. But that's not even their biggest source of energy. Right. They right. use a lot of energy. Okay, yeah, I can imagine. Uh, they, they get 35% from natural gas and 28% from coal. Yeah. So uh, that's actually a higher total percentage in the world average for carbon emitting yeah, uh, right. sources of generating electricity. Yeah. But they get 20% from nuclear, which oh. is surprising for most people that yeah. that don't really think about that stuff because right, yeah, they right. think nuclear doesn't exist uh, right. and it's bad for you. But 20% of the power comes from nuclear. That's dropping oh. um, because they're not building any new reactors. Right. All of them are getting so old that they have to retire. They're no longer licensed to run right. anymore. Yeah, yeah, right. And there's a huge shift towards natural gas. Mm. Basically, natural gas is <laughs> methane yeah, and they yeah. get it from fracking. Right, right. And mm. that really got hot yeah. in the last <laughs> 10 to 15 years. You've been heard, right. like you probably heard yeah. about fracking in the yeah, last yeah, 10 to yeah, 15 yeah, years. Sure. Yeah. And uh, just sidebar on natural gas. Yeah. As it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, let's hear it. It actually generates, like, so in America, or in the world, you'll hear people say natural gas is clean, it's pure. Yep. It's, it's super, so much better than coal. Sure. And, and right. like, in a way it is, because when you burn natural gas, it's more efficient, there's less carbon. Yeah. If you know the difference between methane and pentane. Don't worry about it. Okay. Bur- I did bur- really badly in organic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there's less carbon emitted when you burn natural gas. Okay. So it, it, uh, for equivalent energy, you get about half the carbon emissions burning natural gas that yeah. you would burning coal. Okay. So America in the last 10 years has been switching so much from coal to natural gas. Yeah. They've reduced their CO2 emissions by 17%, which is gigantic. Huh. Okay. Like they're actually... That's actually really, really good. Yeah. Uh, if they shifted to nuclear, could they reduce it by 100%? Yeah, so like re- reducing carbon by 17% is nice, yeah. but you really need it to be reduced to zero. Yeah. Yeah. So you can say, yeah, it's better than what they were doing before. It's still not good, yeah. and it's not a long-term solution to global warming. I only smoke half a pack of cigarettes yes, a day now. That's like a, <laughs> well, it's more like I only smoke it and then blow it, blow half a pack into your face. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I got 100% on my test. That's as good as you can get. I got 17% of my go to your room. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's really popular because there's a lot of natural gas in the States, so they don't have to rely on other countries to yeah. get natural gas. I bet you there's enough uranium. Back on nuclear. Mm-hmm. So all these plants in America are old. Right. The right. four largest plants in terms of generating capacity yep. are all nuclear. Okay. And okay. seven of the top 10 are. Huh. It just shows you how much potential there is yep. in, in this technology. Yeah, they didn't abandon it. So that vision of the future where it's a ton of clean, efficient, way more clean and efficient energy that you would ever need yeah. is totally doable. Yep. Like that wasn't a crazy vision of the future. That's just if they had followed that path. Yes. You'd have I more than so. you'd ever need. Yeah. Yep. And in the next episode, we can talk about future reactors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whether <laughs> they will Depends ever be Depends who you built. ask, I guess. CEOs. Is it doable? No. no. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not as long as my stocks are tied to <laughs> exactly. oil prices. Fun fact. Yeah. If you asked Albert Einstein if he thought nuclear power mm-hmm. was feasible yep. or controllable, he would have said no. Huh. Hmm. Yeah, really? that's why he was a theoretical physicist, <laughs> and I'm an engineer. We <laughs> make shit happen. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, me, I, pers- I personally built it. Oh, perfect. Yeah, 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 well, so, yeah. You know what? Your people did. Engineers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Cool. Cut that one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back on topic. So, so France is actually a world leader in nuclear. They okay. generate 72% of their, all their energy from nuclear. Oh, wow. So 72 compared to America, which is 20. Sweet. Uh, right. That's the highest percentage in the world. Okay. And that's a B. They have yeah, 
one third of the CO2 per capita that America does. Go France. Jeez. Yeah. Let's play a game. Okay. All right. Who do you think is the country that is the second most percentage of their power generated by nuclear? Germany. Uh, Japan. Interesting guesses. Okay. <laughs> Based on nothing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is actually Ukraine. Uh, huh. Which is very interesting, Ooh, yeah. considering what happens. So I they, mean, like we don't wow. need to be coy about this. <laughs> well, we like to just like in the Black Death. We didn't say Black Plague until episode two. Yeah. Like, so but that is just, that but, is interesting. That is yeah, pretty Ukraine. damn uh, resilient. Yeah. So uh, they, yeah, <laughs> they they really rebounded. Yeah, they from that generate fifty five percent from nuclear. Wow, interesting. Today, today. Okay, okay. Uh, there's so uh, to go on of Lee. The yeah. counterpoint to that uh, case study is yeah. Japan. In in 2010, uh, they generated 25% from nuclear. Okay. Which is a very large amount. Right. Remember right. what happened in 2011? How did that change in 2011? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we had the Fukushima uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> caused by a tsunami, yeah. which yeah. we talked right. about in episode. That's right. Four... Three. We have a tsunami terror episode. Just listen yeah. all so I believe them. there were two in Fukushima. There were two guys that suffered severe radiation exposure. Right. I don't know if they died or not, mm-hmm. but there basically were no deaths, right? Uh, because they had the evacu well deaths from the tsunami, obviously. Sure. Well, uh, right. No deaths from the reactor exposure. situation because right. they yeah. had all evacuated before them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that scared the shit out of everybody. Right. Yeah. Well, even then, like there was a meltdown, but the safety. Procedures worked correctly, right? Uh, sort of, and not not really. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. It was still a complete disaster, but not a lot of people were ultimately physically hurt by it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You still hear things like to me, it just smacks of internet bullshit. But mm. every now and then, you'll get some post like the fallout from Fukushima yeah. will be is still winding its way around the globe, and mm-hmm. pretty soon it'll show up in America, like it's it. The it's, shark from Jaws or something. Yeah. Jaws 4. Like, I'm it's, just always like... It's almost impossible to track because it's like tracking the wind. There was an episode of Penn and Teller's Bullshit. I don't know if you remember that show. Yeah. If you ever saw it. I never <laughs> yeah. saw it. I know they did mean. an episode on Three Mile Island. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. And there was a thing there. They played a clip from a news report saying, unknown quantities of radiation escaped the plant. And they're like, holy shit, unknown quantities? Is that a lot or zero? <laughs> and it's, it's that kind of thing, yeah. right? Radiation's floating around. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, the radiation actually on uh, the map because the wind was going in a certain direction. They yeah. actually have a very good like indication of the areas, and yeah. they can just measure the radiation in those areas. Right. That, yeah, 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 the yeah, map yeah, where yeah. the wind was blowing so, it. Yeah. So Japan. Uh, in 2011, they canceled their nuclear program entirely. Oh. Uh, so by 2014, all the reactors were shut down, yeah. including the ones just south of Fukushima that right. survived the tsunami and didn't melt down. Why? Public fear. Uh-huh. No, I know why. Yeah. Take you know, a page out of Ukraine's yeah. book. Yeah. yeah. They're not exactly. wussies. No, it's just like uh, Ford Fiesta crashed, so we should <laughs> shut down all Ford shut Fiestas. Shut down the plant! Yeah, cut it out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I know there's arguments being like a car is a car and a nuclear reactor is a nuclear reactor, but a properly designed nuclear reactor melts down safely. All right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, anyway. So, you'll like this. Because yep. in 2014 they went zero percent nuclear, yep. they were 83 percent coal, gas, and oil. Perfect, making them one of the world's largest carbon emitters by 2014. <laughs> they one step forward, <laughs> a million steps back. They slowly started to reinstitute the nuclear program by 2015, but okay. it's it's like a single percentage of, yeah, of power now. It's, yeah, token effort. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get into this in part two, but the, a big, such a big part of it is. 
yes, old reactors <laughs> are more prone to, but like a, a nuclear reactor designed and built in 2019 would be like bulletproof. All right. Anyway, I'll let the, ex- I'll let the expert talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Canada, that's us, yep. Yep. generates 15% from nuclear, which is a modest amount. Okay. We don't actually need any more because we generate the third most hydroelectricity in the world. Like Sweet. total, not percentage, total. <laughs> okay. right. We've awesome. got a lot of waterfalls and yeah. Yeah. crap here. So I guess you should go chasing waterfalls. Uh, and that's my musical time. choice. <laughs> no, I'm that 15% of our energy comes from six plants, five of them in Ontario, one in New Brunswick, one which sent out a warning this week to, <laughs> to wake us all up at 7 yeah, 30. One yeah. in Pickering. But the, uh, the we should, we should clarify that the warning, first of all, it, it ended up being a false warning, but yeah. the warning itself, <laughs> when you look at it, yeah. Says there was not an incident at the nuclear reactor. There is no reason to panic. Yeah. Well, I wasn't, yeah. but now I am. Yeah, you you just going to send a message every day saying everything's good. Yeah. yeah. Also, and because we were researching this episode at the time too, I got that message and I'm like, that's what the fucking Soviets would say. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they did say. Everything is fine. Yeah, so my uh, engineering buddies wouldn't let me off the hook if I didn't tell this. Yeah. The Canadian systems use the can-do reactor, yep. and that design is particularly safe. Sweet. I won't explain, go into explanations as to why, but it is more safe than any of the stuff you we're going to talk about You can go into explanations today. as to why if you want. That's all right. Okay. Can do. <laughs> yeah, you sure you can. can do. Uh, yeah, it's Canadian design. Awesome. Uh, and also, fun fact: Canada exports ten percent of all the energy we make to America. <laughs> uh, oh, Canada! Yeah, Canada. <laughs> so, is is nuclear power dangerous? No. Yes. Next yeah. question. <laughs> so yeah. so we'll get into the radiation later and the dangers of that. But okay. the main the main thing is waste. Right. Nuclear power or sorry, nuclear power generates waste. Yeah. Yes. Well, that is dangerous. And it's to be fair, that's always been sort yeah. of my concern. Yeah. I understand Absolutely. the values of nuclear reactors, yeah. but it's like, what do you what do you do with the glowing yeah. mass of? Yeah. So so here's the difference. The waste is completely contained, and we know where it is. Oh. In coal plants. Yeah. You're just burning it into the your lungs directly. Right. Hmm. You're actually just hoping it gets diffuse enough that people don't get exposed by it, but people still die from coal. <laughs> that's a that's a great point. I never thought <laughs> of that. And, and, and coal plants, uh, uranium is actually in everything. Right. So uranium is in coal. Right. So coal plants emit more radio- radiation than nuclear plants do. It's completely contained in a nuclear plant. What? <sighs> Well, there goes that argument out the window. <laughs> so the fact that you know where it is. Yeah, that's a huge, I never thought of it that way, but it's every, like. every, all countries other than Canada and America and various mm-hmm. others yep. have plans to store them in safe places. Right, yeah. Right. So like, it's dangerous, but you know where it is. Well, yeah, that's that's a great point. Hmm. Like you think of a coal plant, it's like, where's the pollution? It's everywhere. It is among us. It's in your lungs. <laughs> yeah. And then in the in a nuclear power plant, where's the pollution? There. It's right there. I can tell you how hot it is. (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch it. Even if you include the number of deaths that occurred in Chernobyl, spoiler, there were deaths. There were a few, yeah. But they were pleasant. The number of deaths from (laughs) related to nuclear energy is by far lower than everything else. Right. More people have died. I think it's something like 4,000 times more people have died falling off the roof installing solar panels. Right. <laughs> uh, than, than have in directly from these nuclear accidents. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you got to put things into perspective. It's the, the PR is bad. It's like airplanes. You, ever, you, you guys all know this. An airplane yep. crashes. Everyone thinks airplanes are yep. dangerous. Oh, but right. you're 
you know, a hundred times more likely to die in a car crash because you drive every single day. Absolutely. If, yeah. if all you did was listen to episodes like we like our Christmas special, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. three planes crash in the space <laughs> yeah. of like an hour, yeah, you'd never get on a plane I'm again. Never flying again. Well, the, but, you would do a podcast about that plane that yeah, landed that's successfully. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that will be our bonus content. Well, you know, today, you know, five thousand planes landed. You safely. know, on flights <laughs> when people <laughs> clap because yeah. they landed. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the other, I think the other reason that. Uh, it can be kind of spooky for people. And again, we'll talk about this in episode two, so stay tuned. But there is a certain aspect of radiation that even like creeps me out to think about. Mm-hmm. Because when you get situations like what happened in Ukraine in 1986, yes. you'll have regions where you look at it for less than a minute and that's a death sentence. Yeah. And like you didn't feel anything yeah. at the time, you're fine. And then you melt from the inside. Yeah. So I could see that being a yeah. scary oh, aspect. You're dead. You just don't know it yet. Sure. But yeah. like you said, number wise, that's happened to yeah. a tiny yeah. group of people. And people yeah. see that too. They're like, I can see a bullet hitting me so I can be afraid of a gun. Yeah. You might be able to win in a gunfight because you can grab the gun. All right. But with radiation, it's just like exposure. Yeah. That can happen to you. Invisible silent killer. But again, like you just, like you, you just gave us the numbers. It's been like a tiny percentage of people compared to even people falling off their roofs. Installing right. solar panels. So I yeah. think people probably consider if you work in a nuclear power plant that yeah. oh well you'll get cancer. Right. Yeah. Not yeah. tomorrow maybe, but maybe. Which is the, the that is eventually. the interesting part because it the the fuel is contained. Right. You right. wear a dosimeter. Right. All yeah. to, all the time, so you yeah. have limits to how much dose you can actually take. Right. Yeah. And then when you like, if you know which we will talk about soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to handle radiation, right. you can protect yourself from it. Okay. So, so why do we even need to consider nuclear at all? Uh, global warming. We yep. don't need to do an episode on global warming. We can right. presume, assume yeah, C, uh, CO2. We need to reduce CO2. Yep. Uh, hippies will say uh, use wind and solar. Uh, I can mm. confirm having done extensive research <laughs> in solar. It's yeah. not enough. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's, it won't be able to... Sub, sub, uh, solar generates about 1% of, of our power mm. uh, in America. Yeah. Not ours. In Canada, we have right. even less because we don't get the sun as much. Right. If it was more widely accepted, could it generate more? It, is it just it's not useful as on the small scale, okay. for sure. Yeah. Uh, houses, residential. Yeah. But... Plants, you, you can't get it on demand. It's kind of tricky. In, right. in America, there could be a lot of good place, good yep. uses for it in desert areas. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to supplement coal. It's not, because it's not, you can't just turn on the sun when you want yeah, it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so of interesting note, U.S. energy use has actually been pretty stable for the last 20 years. You would think they'd be using more, but they're getting mm. more efficient with energy. Right, okay. Uh, and like this population has been stable. Yeah. And like everyone has power, so they, they haven't actually increased much. So like, right. well, they're kind of at a capacity for energy use. Right. Yeah. But there's countries called China and India mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. don't have electricity right. and will be needing it soon. And generating that from traditional methods is not a way to reduce carbon. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, no. And this is why China and India are actually the only people that are well, not, not the only. There's yeah. a few more. Yeah. They're building the most nuclear plants, and okay. they're building the newer. Gen 3 and Gen 4 okay. style plants, which okay. are like the new designs that are better than anything that we have. Okay. Okay. Thank like, you, India and China. I mean, they're also building as many coal, more coal plants, too. They're building everything. Son of a bitch. They're investing yeah. in everything. All right, here we go. Yeah. Atomic physics, my favorite topic. All right. Uh, buckle up. All right, guys. This, <laughs> awesome. is gonna, this, this is going to blow your minds. Okay. Matter yep. is made of atoms. What, what the hell? 
atoms have a nucleus, which is the center of the atom. Yep. Uh, there's protons, which have positive charge, mm-hmm. and neutrons in the nucleus, and then there's electrons buzzing around it. Yep. If you picture a classic picture of the atom, yep. it's that. Now, the number of protons in an atom determines what element it is. Okay. So mm. if there's one proton in the nucleus, yep. it's hydrogen. So anything that has one proton, always hydrogen. Right. right. Six protons, carbon. Anything uh-huh. with six is always carbon. Yep. Anything with 92 protons yep. is uranium. Oh, geez. So the number of protons is the element. Mm-hmm. And other than hydrogen, yep. all nuclei also need neutrons in their nucleus okay. to hold hold the stuff together. What if it has two neutrons? Did I say the right word? You said neutrons. I meant, you meant protons. protons. You, meant, yeah. you know what I meant. You know uh, what I meant. Yo, neutrons, if it's two, it's, uh, all right, it's uh, two protons, it's helium, three Protons is lithium, uh, so on, so on, so on. What if it's 27? Yeah. I don't freaking know. <laughs> That's what I'm I was trying chemist. to get at, but I said the yeah. wrong... Stupid word! Yeah, I yeah, look okay. smart like you guys! <laughs> yeah. So there's also... I neut- sucked at chemistry. There's also neutrons in, in the nucleus. Okay. But you don't need an exact number of neutrons. There okay. can be different numbers of neutrons for each element. Okay. And these are called isotopes. Mm. You can consider them different flavors. So there's different flavors of carbon... Mm-hmm. So it still has six protons, but one has vanilla. Uh, I like yeah. I like chocolate mint uranium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, one yeah, one uh, isotope of carbon has more neutrons right. than the other. Okay, okay. fair enough. Uh, so that's yep. all, that doesn't matter. So yep. onto some nomenclature. Yeah, you sometimes will hear people say carbon twelve yeah. or uranium two thirty five, as we mentioned earlier. Yes. Every day, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear people yeah. say that. So yeah. that number is the mass number, and it's the number of protons and neutrons. It essentially is a way of identifying which isotope you're talking about. The total number of protons and neutrons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. So uranium-235, because uranium has 92 protons, therefore uranium-235 has 235 minus 92, which is 143 neutrons. Oh, wow. There can be that much of a discrepancy? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uranium-235 is the interesting. It's the fissile isotope of uranium. Um, that's the one that we want to, that, that's the good stuff. you want a lot of neutrons to split more of the uranium atoms. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not necessarily that. It's okay. actually, yeah, we'll get into that. Sure, yeah. yeah uranium-235 is the- I'm an aggressive <laughs> learner. It's the, uh, the fissile one. Okay. It is actually the less common isotope of uranium. Okay. Only seven or 0.7% of natural uranium mm. is uranium-235. Okay. It's the good stuff. Okay. The rest of it is basically uranium-238, yep. which is 99. 3% is uranium-238. Right. So okay. that means there's three more neutrons. That's the only difference. Is right. The one I still has three more neutrons than the other, and that makes one from being useful and the other from being less useful. Less useful, but not useless. It can be used to make bombs. Ew. If you want to make a bomb, start with you. Don't. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. I, just, I just had a vision. Someone sitting in their homes. Some like, like terrorist listening to this like, podcast. It. It's writing neutrons. like uranium 238. And then, <laughs> fuck, they didn't say it. <laughs> call off. Call off the jihad. Forget it. <laughs> yeah. Are we cutting that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Certain isotopes can either have too many or too few neutrons. Okay. So they'll be energetically unstable and they'll want to emit a chunk of stuff from the nucleus and turn into another atom to become more stable. Okay. That chunk of stuff is radiation. Okay. So uh, you can, it decays into another atom. Yeah. So we'll get into some fun history. Uranium is actually pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's phosphorescent, which means it absorbs uh, sunlight and then it'll glow green. Oh, cool. So that's not like a like a no, it's thing. not actually radiation. It's okay. phosphorescence. That's really cool. I always thought that that was like a movie thing to make it look. No, scary. Uh, if you <laughs> you can actually buy uranium uh, coated or coated, it's 
uranium glassware. Like, okay. have you seen these like drinking glasses and they glow green? That's awesome. Uh, I don't think they make them anymore, but right. there's like a yeah. online sub genre of yeah. people that collect them and it's, really it's cool. pretty neat. Yeah. I bet you they don't make them anymore because people are afraid of exactly. Yeah, they're, <laughs> it's actually they're they're pretty much harmless. I'm sure yeah. they are. But <laughs> you'll turn into the guy from Robocop that smashed into the new, the toxic place. Oh yeah, and then he like splats all over the yeah. Yeah. That scared the shit out of me as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> rightly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> rightly so. That was pretty the brutal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My baby should have showed it to me when I was eleven. <laughs> that was part of it. Thanks. In eighteen ninety six, yep. French physicist Antoine Henri Becquerel. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. He was using uranium to expose photographic plates. He was using the phosphorescence effect to oh, expose cool. on photographic plates. Yeah. So one day he uh, was going to expose them, but then it was cloudy, so he didn't do it. He put the uranium in the plate in the drawer. Yeah. And then the next day he noticed that the uranium had exposed the plate, huh. even though he had not put it in the sun. This was, from his description, mysterious energy coming right. from this rock. At all times. Right. Uh -huh. And this was, in his mind, violent in the conservation of energy. Because it was energy coming out of nowhere. A right. Rock. Yeah. So, nine years later, mm -hmm. Albert Einstein published E equals MC squared, which equates energy and mass. Right. And that retroactively explains that the uranium was losing mass and giving off energy. Okay. Mm. And that's what was exposing the plate. Spontaneously. Yes. Spontaneously. Okay. Interesting. So the biggest name in radiation history is Marie Curie. Yeah. My, yeah. my yeah. son, we, we bought a book of like, there's a, there's a book series on, for kids on like famous scientists. Oh, and she's stuff. in it? And there's, there's a book on Marie Curie. He'll be, he'll be like, read a book, Mary Curie. Nice. So he knows all about Mary Curie. <laughs> <laughs> and her husband, Pierre. Cute. Oh, this is good. Okay. So <laughs> she, was a she was a, uh, a Polish immigrant to France. Yep. And uh, she worked at the same time period as Becquerel. Okay. And she was experimenting with uranium, and she noticed that the mysterious rays that were coming from this uranium, which she called radiation. Ooh. Ooh they were the making phrase. the... It was making the air conductive, which means okay. it was ionizing the air. Huh. And that means this radiation was extremely powerful. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. It carried a ton of energy, enough to ionize. That's dangerous. That's, gonna, <laughs> that's also going to come up again. Yeah. Yeah. So working out of her shed with her yeah. husband, Pierre Curie, also a physicist, yeah. they determined that uranium is actually turning into other elements. It's decaying into other elements right. when it releases this radiation. And she discovered new elements, polonium and radium. Did and she get a Nobel Prize for those? Uh, we'll get there. Okay. She developed her Probably theory not. of radioactivity, yeah. which describes all this. And it actually has led to the entire field of nuclear medicine and cancer treatment. I think she basically paused her research during the First World War to develop or yeah. work on x-rays, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as a mobile uh, x-ray unit for checking out soldiers. Yeah. Shit. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 1903, Marie Curie, her husband Pierre, mm -hmm. and Becquerel shared the Nobel Prize for, for these discoveries. You I right. knew that from my children's book on Marie Curie. Uh, <laughs> did you know this? Becquerel died five years after at the age of 55. Oh boy, I did not know that. <laughs> Officially, no. <laughs> unknown causes. Mm -hmm. hmm. it, it, <laughs> it was described that he had severe burns on his skin, likely from directly handling radioactive sources. Um, <laughs> it was early days. Yeah. Yeah, probably Guys, this it. stuff is awesome! Yeah. <laughs> this is something that is definitely in the book that you should be telling your son. Uh -huh. Pierre Curie died two years before that, actually, okay. at the age of 46. Uh -huh. But not from radiation. Okay. He actually slipped and fell in the rain Oof. on Rue Dauphine in downtown Paris. Yeah. And then his head was crushed by a horse-drawn cart. Oh, oh my. Okay, so that yeah. fills in a lot of blanks for me. Because in that, 
in the book, it does deal with, it, it does say that Pierre dies. Yes. He's actually like, okay, expose that. That's, to my, he's going to ask some questions. His head was uh, popped like a drink. <laughs> they do not talk about the head crushing. No. Horse they just, it's not they like just a say Pierre had an accident and then Mary was on her yeah, own. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So Ooh, Pierre's father. Now every time I read that, all I'm going to think about is a head being crushed. Pierre's father My blamed innocent. this on his absent-minded preoccupation with his thoughts. <laughs> I know a lot of physicists that are like that. Yeah, this is absolutely how I see them dying. Yeah. <laughs> crushed by a horse-drawn car. You know there's not a whole lot of horse-drawn carriages around. That's, They'll find one. That's, that's irrelevant. <laughs> wow. So Marie continued to work until she died in 1934 at the age of 66 of a plastic anemia where your body no longer generates blood cells. Obviously due to her extreme radiation yeah. doses. Did she uh, not get a second Nobel Prize? For taking one for the team? Simply, I think she won one in chemistry and one in physics. Yeah, yeah. yeah she okay. was the first woman to win two. <laughs> and first that. person to win two, I believe. I can't recall. I knew uh, that from my children's book as well. <laughs> if we ever do an episode on David, David Bowie or Dolly Parton, we got a book on them too, so... <laughs> That Mary Curie book is going to be dark from now on. He's going to come up to me tomorrow and what be like, Mary Curie. And I'm like, I don't want to read What Mary. happened yeah. to Pierre? Pierre's, Pierre's, Pierre's You're fine. just going to be suppressing your own need to like, do, do, do you want to know how he died? What, <laughs> how he died? <laughs> What's the status of his head? Oh, God. <laughs> is it intact? Oh, boy. That's not no. a great way to go. It's not. So Mira Curie was the yeah. first woman to be buried in the French Pantheon. Okay. Her coffin was lined with lead. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> as she was still radioactive. Better right. safe than sorry. <laughs> right, yeah. And her books are in the National Library in Paris, stored in lead boxes, and they require <laughs> a waiver and protective gear to look at. Oh right. my well, God. Well, that makes sense. Well, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, Lead-lined coffins are probably going to come up again, too. Is that <laughs> right? Yeah. A spoiler. Wow. <laughs> Concrete. A lot of foreshadowing. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, okay, what is radiation? What is this mysterious energy that is coming out from the, the, the rocks? Mm -hmm. So in physics, radiation is broadly described as energy transmitting through space. Right. Isn't like light? Yeah. So heat. light is technically radiation from that perspective. Yeah. When people huh. talk about this topic, they refer to nuclear radiation, which right. is energy coming from a, a nucleus in radioactive decay. Right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's four types of nuclear radiation. That's four types of stuff that's emitted when uh, right. atoms decay. Yeah. Mm. They're called alphas, betas, gammas, and neutrons. You might okay. have heard of these things. I have actually. Okay, sure. We're going to go yeah. through them very quickly because it's know boring. better than I do. Yes. <laughs> the alpha particle is two protons and two neutrons. Yeah. And that's just a chunk of stuff that comes out. That's the heaviest radiation. Okay. It's extremely dangerous because yeah. it's big and can break your DNA. Okay. And you're the biologist. <laughs> uh, Breaking your DNA screws up your cells and so leads to I can, I can which disease? I can't. Cancer. It, it is muscle. the thing that causes cancer. I can, oh, I can tell you one thing. You want your DNA intact. <laughs> so, you want that. No, oh, that's no what you did your PhD <laughs> in. No matter what you do, keep that DNA intact. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I didn't need a PhD to know it. Yeah. No, it's so, so alphas <laughs> are what cause cancer. You heard it here first. Alphas are cancer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> like the big dog? Yeah. <laughs> because they're big, they're yeah. easily stopped. So an alpha emitter, you yeah. can block it with a sheet of paper. Okay. Uh -huh. So it, it's not really a threat unless you ingest it. Don't by, put your mouth around it. Oh, I don't know, breathing the fire of a burnt nuclear reactor. <laughs> when would that happen, though? Uh, <laughs> almost never. It's yeah, that, that would never happen in the next episode. No. <laughs> uh, so, so alphas 
super dangerous, yep. but easily avoidable for most people. <laughs> Betas are high energy electrons. They cause damage to tissue and burns. Mm -hmm. They go through thin materials, but can be blocked by metal. Okay. And the majority of radiation you get from fission products is beta radiation. So okay. you're mostly going to get your tissues and skin burned right. from, yeah. from this. Mm. Gammas yeah. is high energy light that yeah. comes from re uh, radioactivity decay. Okay. Uh, it's completely different physics, but from a health perspective, it's basically the same as beta. It just burns you. Okay. And you said light, so you light. can see gamma radiation. Oh, uh, sorry. It's such a high energy oh, that okay, you can't okay. see it. It's, it's not like visible. infrared or something. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. well, it's higher than it's infrared. Higher, it's, the, it's higher than UV and X-rays okay, and okay, so okay, on. Okay. Yep. And it created the Hulk? It did. It did. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, there's <laughs> neutron radiation. As, remember we mentioned earlier that the... Uh, yeah. The fission releases neutrons, yeah, yeah, yeah. so neutrons can come out of this. Yep. They're highly energetic, cause yep. tons of biological damage, right. but they can be stopped by water, oh. mm. which comes into play because that property is what allows all our nuclear reactors to work. Right. All right. Because water plays a role. Oh, big yes, time. Also, does. the way you're talking about it, it's, it's, I know that it's all grounded in physics, but it seems like explaining the rules to a board game. <laughs> it's like alpha is devastating, right. but it can be blocked by a sheet of paper. <laughs> and beta. <laughs> Beta's, yeah. Damn it. Beta Beta neutron, <laughs> neutron's real bad, but it can be countered by water. It's rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's radiation. Cool. Some facts about radiation. Yep. Uh, it is not necessarily dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. Because avoiding all radiation is impossible. Right. Yes. Obviously, our cells have evolved to self-repair. Yep. If they didn't, we would die from sunlight. Uh, you get dosed from, there's background radiation everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's uranium everywhere. Right. Well, like you were saying, it's in It's in coal, everything. By, yeah. yeah. You burn coal yeah. and you release Yeah, uranium. that yep. is a contribution to the background radiation. Yeah. You get irradiated when you take airplane flights. Yeah. When you get an x-ray on your teeth. Yep. Right. Eating a banana. Yep. Yeah. Uh, kitty litter is radioactive. Ooh, don't have cats. So there's lots of units that people use to describe dose of radiation. Yeah, right. You'll hear a lot of different stuff. We in the civilized world use sieverts. Okay. Oh. Is, is, uh, is what we use here. Okay. And, and it doesn't really matter what unit you use. It's yep. just all relative to itself. So yep. the average person, how much dose you get is highly dependent on where you live. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. If you live in a high altitude, you're going to get more radiation. If you live in a more radioactive area, you're going to get more radiation. Mm -hmm. But the average person gets about two to five millisieverts per year. So two to five thousandths yep. of uh -huh. a sievert per year. It's two to five milli is what you need to remember. as yep. That's a normal dose background. Okay. Yeah. About half of that comes from natural natural stuff like cosmic rays, the mm -hmm. potassium that you have in your body. Mm -hmm. There's a radioactive isotope from that, so you irradiate yourself with the potassium that you need to survive anyway. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, most of this radiation, though, comes from radon, which is actually really important, particularly in Canada. Okay, yeah. It's one of the decay products of uranium. Okay. And it's important because it's a gas. Oh, yeah, And okay. it's found in rocks. And as we sit in this basement <laughs> built in this old rock bungalow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a spot down here that is just rock. Most uh, of it is concrete. But this okay. Is, okay. Yeah, so radon is a big thing. You might have heard, like, get your house tested for radon and yeah, so yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because radon's a gas. And it's an alpha emitter. Okay. Oh, so you breathe oh, it, oh. and then it's in your lungs, and it's emitting alphas. Oh, boy. And that's why it's the second leading cause <laughs> of lung cancer in Canada. Uh, so despite the increase in like man-made sources like flights, yep. uh, more x-rays, more medical procedures, like a CT scan does get, uh, radiates you a ton, yep. there's been no noticeable increase in baseline cancer rates. Okay. So there's the theory that there's a threshold where any radiation you get below that is 
easily self-repairable by your body. So remember I was saying people get two to five millisieverts per year? Yeah, yeah. At 100 millisieverts, so that's 50 times more than the average background, yeah. uh-huh. that's when you, you'll statistically get any detectable rate of cancer, like noticeable rate of cancer in, okay. the, in the numbers. Before you go further, is there an easy conversion from sieverts to Rentgen? Yeah, Rentgen is garbage and no one uses it. <laughs> I'm going to be using it almost exclusively in the next episode. Yep. <laughs> you might want to revise your notes. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. There is a conversion, obviously. Uh, you can probably figure it out. Yeah, fair enough. R- R- but it's is, not uh, just one-to-one. No, no, no. Okay. It's, it's just it's just It's just changes the name. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone in the civilized world uses sieverts. <laughs> Side note, in America, they use the unit REM. Pretty uncivilized. Take that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, yep. sorry, Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Most of our listenership is America. It was oh, America. Was America. <laughs> oh, they're gone. Yeah, they're, they're gone. Well, yeah. <laughs> going back in time a little bit, yep. the nuclear age, if you looked at those dates where Marie Curie was doing all that stuff, yep. it was kind of pre-World War One, leading yeah. through mm. World War One. Yeah. This stuff really picked up pre-World War in January 1933, mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler was appointed chancellor. And everything went swimmingly. Mm-hmm. By April 1933, he instituted a new law, the mm-hmm. Law for the Restoration of the Professional Civil Service. Okay. This was to reestablish a, quote, national professional civil service. Okay. Where members of certain tenured civil servant groups mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. were to be dismissed. This is uh, him draining the swamp. Right, right. Uh-huh. 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 So civil servants who how'd were... That, that go? <laughs> civil servants who were not of Aryan descent uh-huh. were forced mm. to retire. Oh, boy. This was Jews, anyone with Jewish parents or Jewish grandparents. You're These kidding. people were not allowed to serve as teachers or professors or judges or lawyers or doctors or in government at all. This was 33? 33. This is before, yeah, wow. before the war. No, I know. Yeah. I just see he got that ball rolling real quick. Yeah. Yeah, but it couldn't possibly get any worse. He'll stop there, probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, that'll, that'll be the end of it. Uh-huh. Hundreds of top scientists and intellectuals eventually fled mostly to the US and the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This included people like Einstein, yeah. uh, Niels Bohr, Lise Meitner, Erwin Schrodinger. I'm just naming yeah. off people, but no. these are all really well-known physicists. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shitty yeah. way to do it, but thanks for that. Yeah, 15% <laughs> of physicists were dismissed from, the, uh, from universities. Right. That's a fairly large amount. So he basically... Screwed himself out of winning the nuclear arms race. <laughs> sort of, sort of. Not necessarily. Yeah, so the, those 15% of physicists that were dismissed accounted for 64% of all physics citations. So okay. it wasn't just random people. Yeah. He was exile, exiling the best of them. Yeah, yeah and Dumb as you're saying, this, chances. this <laughs> unexpected brain drain yeah. really turned the tide. Right, yeah, I can uh, see. Yeah. Years before he, he kind of really, like, really needed them. <clears throat> sort of lost it for himself before he started. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I yeah. never really thought of it that yeah. way. That's, yeah. uh-huh. So one of the exiled physicists was the Hungarian Leo Zillard. Okay. And he's the guy that conceived the concept of the nuclear chain reaction. Okay. And that was the conditions where if you had enough uranium-235, they could trigger each other to continually generate energy. Okay. Hmm. And he knew that this could either be a source of energy or yeah. a super weapon. And this was the 30s. The, this was, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, he yeah. was one of the exiled guys yeah, 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 in yeah. the 30s. Yeah. So in 1934, Leo Zillard and Italian physicist Enrico Fermi Ooh. of the Fermi Paradox. Ah. Yay, Fermi Paradox. <laughs> we are alone. 
They patented the idea of the nuclear reactor, which they called the atomic pile. It's got to be a better painful. name. No, that's got to be a better name. Look, they're physicists. They're, oh, I got an atomic pile. <laughs> yeah, I had McDonald's for dinner. I'm going to yeah. drop an atomic pile later. Yeah, and this was the, the, the structure and conditions to have the self-sustaining nuclear reaction. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Fermi, in 1938, yeah. received his Nobel Prize. And his wife was Jewish. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Italy was instituting similar fascist laws right. to uh, Germany mm -hmm. that highly restricted movement of anybody, right. not, not even just Jews. Okay. But Fermi was an Italian hero. So he convinced the government to allow his family to come with him to Stockholm yeah. to receive his his Nobel Prize. And then he never left. He immediately <laughs> fled to America. <laughs> Suckers. Well, I'll, I'll be right back. Yeah. I'm leaving all my stuff. Like, I wouldn't just... It's like, like why did your wife bring 14 suitcases? <laughs> yeah. Women be shopping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all shoes, man. Oh, God. So, in August 2nd, 1939, mm -hmm. Leo Zillard, out of fear that the Nazis were developing the super weapon, mm -hmm. needed to convince President Roosevelt uh, to fund atomic research. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't a well-known physicist right. at the time. Yeah. But his buddy, Albert Einstein, was. Yeah. So Einstein wrote the letter to Roosevelt on his behalf. Okay. And ah. you can Google the Einstein-Zillard letter. The <clears throat> Zillard is spelled S-Z-I-L-A-R-D. Yeah. And this is the, like the actual letter that Einstein wrote to Roosevelt. Yeah. And it talks about how the Nazis are stockpiling all the uranium mm -hmm. being mined in Czechoslovakia and right. they're building mm -hmm. a big bomb. Yeah, right. Ultimately, it turned out that the Germans abandoned their nuclear project really early, okay. uh, possibly because they didn't have any brains left. <laughs> Anybody, How do we yeah. work this stuff? Yeah. <laughs> but because Szilard was one of the guys working on that in that area at the time, he knew yeah. what they knew. Right. So he was really worried, or he just wanted to see your funding for his future. Right. Well, sure. Either way, he made some right choices, yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So this I led just kicked it in the high. <laughs> yeah. I just have this image of Hitler walking into the labs as they're working on the atomic bomb. It's just a bunch of like <laughs> D physicists. Yeah. <laughs> they're like trying to like screw something in the wrong way. It <gasps> doesn't work. <laughs> just cut the funding. Some guy walks out of the lab, he's all like burnt black like yeah. the coyote in the, in the roadrunner. Goggles <laughs> off. Yeah, exactly. yeah, there were actually still many non-Jewish uh, German physicists that stayed and oh, were sure, quite yeah. successful. I'm just, sure they weren't like complete morons. They weren't all, they weren't all they Nazis. Weren't in there just like banging stuff with hammers. <laughs> that doesn't work. But still, yeah, so, more bombs. So this led to the secret weapons project called the Manhattan Project. Right. Uh, which was a $2 billion project at the time, $23 billion in today's money. Oh boy, sheesh. Between US, UK, and Canada. So the first- oh, It was a joint effort. Yeah, it was a joint effort, yeah. Wow, The, the okay. first step was to prove that the chain reaction could be achieved. Okay. So in 1941, at yeah. the University of Chicago, yeah. in the metallurgy lab underneath the football field, Fermi led the project to develop the first reactor, Chicago Pile 1. Pile. Didn't improve that name. <laughs> no, he loves that Still pile. Still sticking with the pile. Okay. Still sounds well. a good... So at the time, the only uranium mine in the Western Hemisphere was in Port Radium Northwest Territories. So okay. they supplied all the uranium for the project. Uh, Chicago Pile mine 1 was made of six short tons of uranium. What's a short ton? Thanks for asking. A short ton is 2,000 pounds, which equates to about 907 kilograms. There's got to be an easier way to express that. A metric ton is 1,000 kilograms, so they use short ton and metric ton. Ah. Uh, they didn't want to 
Yeah. Or a long ton. I'm not sure what they call it. Stupid ton. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> metric. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll come back to that. Yeah, so six short <laughs> tons of uranium, five yep. fifty short tons of graphite. Yep. And then they just used cadmium sheets nailed to wood to build this reactor structure. <laughs> Jeez. The, the pile was covered with a twenty-five foot square or cubed shaped balloon uh, that was to be filled with carbon dioxide. <laughs> somehow, somehow the most amazing engineering feat was a cube yeah, balloon. Cube balloon. <laughs> that is incredible. So, so the Goodyear rubber company manufactured this extremely odd request yeah, uh, right. on rush production with okay. no questions asked because it was army top secret. After uh, hanging up on the person. I just see them there being like, shut up. Yeah. We can make round balloons. Yeah. Or you're like, no, yeah. we need it to be a cube. Yeah. It's that guy crank calling us again about the square balloon. <laughs> the army man. Physicists, right? Yes, walking exactly. into Walking into carts and asking for square balloons. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, the Chicago Pile 1 had no cooling or shielding from radiation. It's probably fine. Uh, <laughs> in December 1942, yeah. Chicago Pile 1 went critical. And that's okay. that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. That, that always throws yes. me off. Yes. Yeah. Going critical means it reached. It, it, it reached enough to continue to generate energy. Okay. It ran for four and a half minutes and generated a whopping half a watt of power. Still got power. <laughs> Which is <laughs> better than no watts. Less right? than one Christmas light, maybe a couple LED Christmas lights. <sighs> well, it's still, still, say still. It like that. They, they purposely designed it that way to not generate a lot of energy. Sure. They just yeah. wanted to show that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah under a football stadium. We, we did this. <laughs> And this successful demonstration accelerated research to weaponize the technology, building bombs with uranium yeah. and the newly discovered plutonium. Okay. The, mm. the fat man, the second bomb on Nagasaki was yeah. a plutonium bomb. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I remember just in the, in the research I did for the first part, the, the bombs that they dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki were fairly inefficient, right? The little boy, which is the first bomb that dropped, was only 64 kilograms of uranium. Right. Highly enriched uranium. Yeah. Okay. One kilogram of it fissioned. Okay. So like it was actually a really crude design where basically you need a certain amount of mass of uranium. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it won't go critical. It's called critical mass. Yeah. Yeah. So what what the way it worked is they separated the two masses so yeah. that they could never blow up on their own. And then okay. it was a gun mechanism where one fired this critical mass into the other. Yeah. And then that was what triggered the explosion. But there uh, were 64... Kilograms. And only one went... One kilogram went... Fission? Uh, fissioned. Fissioned. Yeah. So that explosion could have possibly been yeah. 60 times bigger. That's how inefficient. So this is what this is what these bo original bomb designs were. They essentially blew themselves up yeah. before they could react with themselves. Because like, okay. it, like when stuff blows up, it flies away. Yeah. Right, yeah. So it immediately became non-critical when it blows up. And that's why oh. it was so inefficient with its use of its... Uh, oh. So if there's a way to like keep the mass really meant to do. Yeah, that's what they were working on in the, in the Cold um, War for the more devastating bombs. Right. <laughs> uh, so Nagasaki, they used plutonium, but that was six kilograms of plutonium. Oh boy. And oh, okay. one kilogram fissioned as well. Yeah. And that one, that was the bigger bomb that blew up way more. And that's how yeah. plutonium is actually much more fissile than... Uh, uranium is. I think the only reason that the Nagasaki bomb, like the death toll wasn't higher is because they dropped it on a valley. Yeah. Which contained the explosion, but the bomb itself oh. is. And like, that's kind of one of the reasons why <clears throat> people can live in those cities now, because right. only one kilogram of fission, uh, yeah. stuff fissioned. Yeah. Uh, so you only had one kilogram of fission products. Right. So you had really a small amount of radiation. Right. Mm. So this is like what, one kilogram? Yeah. The reactor cores have a hundred tons. 
So fun facts on uranium. They're all fun. <laughs> it's actually considered to be weakly radioactive. It's, it's in its own. It's not radioactive. The things it splits into right. is what's radioactive, is dangerously radioactive. Right. Mm. So when you force fissions and you generate a lot of fission products, yeah. that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. But uranium on its own, not really, because that's what causes our background radiation. So uranium is actually shockingly abundant, mm -hmm. and Canada is the second highest producer of uranium in the world behind Kazakhstan. Mm -hmm. It's mined from sandstone, and it's just processed with acid, and it comes out in this yellow powder called yellow cake. Okay. That's from mm. movies. That's actually... Give me that yellow cake. Yum, that's yum. another interesting thing. It never occurred... I almost assumed that you would just, like, extract a chunk of uranium. Yeah, <laughs> no, but I yeah, okay. picture a big chunk of rock. Yeah. So from a thousand pounds of sand, you get about a one pound of ore. Okay. And as we mentioned earlier, natural uranium is mostly U-238, which is the less useful kind. Okay. U-235 is what we want more of. Yeah. So to make fuel for either energy or bombs, you actually need to enrich the the uranium. And you need to get it from about 0.7% to about 3 to 5% U-235 okay. in its total concentration. Yeah. And this is done with centrifuges. Yeah, okay. So if you're up on the news and you hear about Iran and nuclear deals and yeah. centrifuges and nuclear inspectors, yeah. this is what they're looking for, the okay. centrifuges, because they can be used to also make weapons. Right. Ooh. Okay. So they're limiting the number of centrifuges. They were. Yeah. I guess the U.S., I mean, the U European countries it's in still are. The situation's in flux. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you put them in the centrifuges, get it up to 3 to 5%. Yeah. Then it gets packed back into pellets. Yeah. Those go into your reactor. And as yeah. I mentioned, there's about 100 tons in a reactor. Okay. And a reactor lasts for six years. Six years. Mm. Okay. 100 tons for six years. Yeah. So, yeah, you refuel it that often. Okay. Uh, you don't necessarily refuel it every six years. You refuel it like parts of the core. Yeah. Time, but basically, it will all last for six years. Right. Okay. And as you guys, I, I was hoping to like blow your minds with this one, but you kind yeah. of did your research on the magnesium thing. A little bit. On the previous episode. Okay. Uh, do you know where uranium comes from? Supernovas. The supernovas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It actually comes from the largest supernovas uh, in the universe where two neutron stars collide. Oh, cool. The uranium and all the heavy elements come from there. Also, plutonium is made, but not, it's kind of decays away and it's not really considered to be primordial. So it's not, it didn't exist when the earth was okay. formed. Right, Only right. uranium did. Right. Okay. Uh -huh. That's the heaviest element. Primordial. If you want to hear more about space stuff, you should listen to our Cosmic Terror episode. You sure should. Episode 11. <laughs> That's two number ones. Yeah. So the Manhattan Project continued yeah. at Los Alamos National Lab in New Mexico, coordinated yep. by J. Robert Oppenheimer. Know that name. Yep. Heard of him. <laughs> they designed four nuclear bombs. Okay. First one was the test bomb in plutonium, and it was codenamed Trinity. Right. And the right. Trinity test site is, is the big, the big yeah. one. Yeah. Then they designed the... The next two, the little boy mm. and the the fat man, which were dropped as right. we discussed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In fact, they didn't even test the the Trinity bomb was actually more like Fat Man. They didn't okay. even test the little boy bomb. Okay. Because they was so crude, they were just like, yeah, it's gonna work. We're just smashing two uranium <laughs> critical masses together. Wow. Okay. Didn't they had some have some very real concerns around Trinity that it might like ignite the atmosphere? Yeah. 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 There's okay. always that type of stuff. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, like after obviously the Japanese surrender, the yeah. war ended, and then this really began the yeah. nuclear age. Right. Yeah, with, with the Cold War. What's really fascinating about that is so they they dropped the bombs in '45, and then the next major superpower that rose after the Second World War was basically the Soviet Union. Yeah. Sure. And they didn't really. I think they tested their first nuclear weapon in 1949. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, okay. a four year period where. The United States was the only power on Earth that had this yeah. 
civilization ending weapon. Holding all the cards. Yeah. So there's a great episode of Hardcore History uh, by Dan Carlin about that exact topic or talks in large part about it. It's called uh, The Destroyer of Worlds, episode 59 looks like. Okay. And he talks at length at length because it's like a six hour episode but he spends at least an hour of it talking about the era where the US was the sole nuclear power and there's a few instances where they came very close to using the nukes like in Korea for example oh sure and there's a lot of struggle between you know should the power rest with the generals to authorize nuclear strikes or and it ultimately ends up with the president because you you know if you give a general a rifle, he's going to use it. Yeah. If you give him an atomic bomb, he's going to use it. <laughs> and that's not a slight on generals. That's well, just, they want to win the war and that's exactly. their mission, right? Yeah. And the president wants to hopefully not destroy hopefully the world. Hopefully keep the peace. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a big part where there's a lot of, obviously there's so much history in the Soviet Union and what went into the Cold War, but a big part of it was that Soviet tendency to stare. And at a certain point, the Soviets just kind of stared down the states where yeah. they were like, look, you've, you've threatened us with these bombs like five times now mm-hmm. and you're not dropping them. So, <laughs> you know what? We're just going to dig in in Berlin and we're just going to take us some Czechoslovakia <laughs> and we're just going to, we're just going to see how this goes. Right. How about by, that? by the way, we also have an even bigger bomb. So yeah. let's agree on mutually dis- assured destruction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We yeah. got this, we got this little thing called the Tsar Bomba, which is... <laughs> terrifying you think like you, you look at look up pictures we'll post pictures of the devastation on Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh-huh. sorry Bomba is like a I, I don't have the numbers in front of me I, I think was that the one where where they tested it it literally leveled the island I believe so and we're not even talking about structures on the island I mean it made the island flat uh, where it exploded this is why America uh this is kind of like, we can talk a little bit about bombs now yep. because we're not really going to talk about bombs yeah. anymore. Yeah. This is why America started to do all their testing underground right? Uh, yeah. to, to sort of contain the radiation and yeah. so on. Yeah. And this is another plug for the Atomic Testing Museum in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go check it out. With no affiliation, but it's friggin' sweet. I've heard. I want to go. I haven't seen it. Sounds sweet. I'm talking like I've been there, but I have not. <laughs> but anyway, all of that kind of leads up to basically what we're going to talk about in episode two because the, the Cold War, both sides kind of digging in and that tendency that I mentioned at the beginning of the Soviet mentality of maintaining appearances and nothing ever goes wrong. Everything is exactly how they plan to do it. <laughs> yeah. Like everything is right because I said it is. <laughs> and that's not limited to interactions within the Soviet Union. That's also essentially their foreign policy. Yeah. Everything's fine here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so you get to a situation where in, in 1966, the government of the Soviet Union approves the construction of reactors that use the technology that we just kind of talked about. Right. Uh, and there are these, we'll get into what this means and we'll get into details in the next episode, but they like these massive graphite nuclear reactors, they end up being a little bit Frankenstein together, which we'll also talk about, oh, okay. which kind of leads to a few things. And we'll get, you know, we'll get into those details. <laughs> If anything uh, should be ramshackle, it's something like this. Yeah. I just throw it together. Basically. And <laughs> unfortunately, we'll see how the Soviet attitudes kind of fed into that. And there's some things that you have that you can get away with half-assing. <laughs> but there's a few things now that we've sort of... we've Not I, nuclear I, power? I'm thinking... Well, I'm thinking of uh, specifically, weirdly, the our Mayhem on Mount Everest I, yeah. episode, where it's, <laughs> some things aren't guidelines. Yeah. It's just like when you're building a reactor, maybe don't... Yeah, close enough. Yeah. It's, it's Those also are both a whole ass, ass yeah. situation. They also didn't have as much money as America did. Yeah, but anyway, so these are all <laughs> these are all teasers oh, yeah, of threads we're... that we're going to pick up in the next episode. But basically, where I want to leave it is that 1966, 
Soviet Union authorizes the construction of these new reactors that are called the RBMK-1000. We'll mm -hmm. talk about that, what that means in the next episode. And specifically, they make plans for the first nuclear power station to be built in the Ukrainian Soviet Socialist Republic at the time, uh -huh. under the Soviet Union, uh -huh. on a sandy river bank in Kopachi, which is about 13 kilometers northwest from the town of Chernobyl. Oh. And that's where we'll pick it up next time. Never heard of it. With, with Norminto. All right. In the meantime, let's talk about some music recommendations. Yeah. So, uh, guest, Norm, would you like to go first? Guest yeah, first. I've, I've got a, a, a song. Okay. Uh, the artist is HOME in all caps. Okay. Huh. And he's an American vaporwave artist. He's nice. really big in the online vaporwave scene. Sweet. The song is Decay from his album Odyssey. Nice. 2014. Uh, it's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> so for the people that yeah. weren't paying attention, yeah. do you want to explain uh, what So, so Vaporwave has no lyrics, so right. it's just right. sound. Yeah. And uh, there's a really rad bass line that kind yeah. of sounds like a Geiger counter ticking. Oh, sweet. <laughs> so that's, that's decay. Cool. Nice. Okay, and you're hearing a bunch of it right now. Yeah. Lee, you want to go next? So, uh, I should switch my choice on the fly. Okay. I thought we were going to talk about things. You, you, you thought we might even get I to I forgot the which podcast I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Silly me. This is a disaster with tons of background. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, stay tuned for my pick next time. It's a okay. doozy. Mm -hmm. No. Uh, so this time I went with, uh, the band is called Noi. Okay. Actually, Noi. 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 Exclamation. I've heard of Noi. Yes, uh, I'm almost positive they're German. Yeah, uh, good guess because no one is German for new. Yeah, exactly. for new. Mm -hmm. um, well, with an exclamation mark, it's new, new. <laughs> and the song is called "Hallo Gallo" mm -hmm. from their first self-titled album. Yeah. Uh, when did that come out? Well, in the seventies, let's say, or maybe then the sixties. Also, they're new. <laughs> yeah, it's brand. It it's new brand new. New at the time. Um, and it's uh, so they were sort of um pioneers, in a sense, in this sort of noi new mm -hmm. uh, kind of music mm -hmm. called uh, motorik. Okay. Or sometimes known as Krautrock. Oh, yeah. Which okay. is kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. yeah. So it's this kind of instrumental music that is, it's kind of funky, it's kind of electronic, and uh, there's just a lot of movement in it. So for me, the, the sound of it is sort of like this industry that is just yeah. moving ahead, <laughs> leaps and bounds, and always going forward, and yep. like a lot of sort of advances in technology, and it just kind of seemed like a good soundtrack for that. Yep. I focused on the more sort of positive aspects. Right. Like, we're in the atomic age. Yeah, 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 yeah. It seemed like a good soundtrack for that. Yeah. You probably heard an old sample of that while I was yammering. You sure did. Yep. Uh, so that was actually the intention behind my original choice. Okay. For similar reasons, there's a song called Run Home by a band called And So I Watch You From Afar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a band our buddy Pierce turned me on to. Great uh, band. Similar kind of like upbeat, like, yeah. you know, things are happening, yeah. Atomic Age, yay, yeah. the Adam. <laughs> so that, that was my original choice. But then I thought it would be better to kind of set the tone for where we're going next. <laughs> okay. So I've actually been listening to this song a lot. I think partially because growing up, it was kind of like the forbidden fruit okay. in my household. I'm, my parents are Czech and <laughs> they escaped the Soviet invasion in 1968. Balco. The band is the Red Army Choir, which is the official <laughs> choir of the Russian Armed Forces. Oh dear. And the song is the Soviet anthem. Right no, on the nose. Honestly, it's it's to set the tone for the next episode and sure. what's coming what's coming, just kind of get you in that mind frame. But the other thing, I thought it was very interesting. I've listened to it a lot over the last few days. Okay. The Soviet Union did most things wrong. It was awful. 
Yes. But this anthem is like stirring. <laughs> it's, it. it's amazing. Okay. It and it's is like their anthem. <laughs> it, and, I mean, the melody is still their anthem. They just changed the words. Okay. But they got the propaganda really right. You listen to it. You know what? I do want to take my PhD and plow the fields. You know what I mean? It's like... I nice. would love to pick some potatoes for you. Yeah, sure. As an intellectual, <laughs> got a got a war going. Point yep. me in the right direction. Yeah, and let me run behind that guy who has the rifle and wait for him to die. Oh yeah, more <laughs> <laughs> like it. So anyway, that's you're probably hearing a bunch right now. And you know what? I think I might just let it play out over the rest of this episode <laughs> to get Seems us in the mood. I'm, I'm really familiar with it. I hear it every time they beat us in hockey. That's well, to be fair, the Russians do, not the Soviets. Yeah, Soviets. <laughs> Although I suppose there's an argument to be made that their tendrils are still firmly... <clears throat> I feel like we're getting killed by the KGB after we publish this episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's part one of our episode on Chernobyl. A lot of background, but... I'm assuming that if you're into this podcast, then you know that context is everything for us. So we've just set the stage for something that's going to be truly devastating. Mm -hmm. And we also have Norm's going to join us for our upcoming Tragedy Tuesday, which is our mini episode coming out next week to kind of expand on this topic on uh, on perhaps one of the greatest nuclear non-disasters to ever happen. Okay. So if you want to help us out, best thing you can do is subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend to listen. That's that's number one. Text them right now. You're looking at your phone, you're like, oh, I wonder what's coming up next. What's coming up next is pausing, texting a friend, listen to this is a disaster. <laughs> I've already told both my friends. You wouldn't text your friends? The, host this We're podcast. in this room. You don't even tell us. <laughs> We're a little bit Soviet ourselves. <laughs> well, if you want to follow us on social medias, at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, you can check out our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. And tune in next time for our next major disaster. Yes, please tune in next time for our next major disaster. In Russia, disaster tunes into you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>